Hello and welcome to Beyond the Borderline. This is a podcast dedicated to exploring in a realistic and hopeful way what it's like to live with borderline personality disorder and other mental health problems. My name is Aline and I am your host for this podcast. I want to issue a proviso at the beginning of the podcast, which is that this is absolutely not a substitute for professional mental health and or medical intervention. So please seek out those sources of support if you need them. And I also want to mention that I will be discussing topics such as self-harm and suicidal ideation and addiction that may be triggering for a number of people. I aim not to discuss those topics in a detailed way as I don't really think Think that adds anything to the discussion and does not really fit in with the mission of this podcast. However, in a spirit of being authentic about my life with borderline personality disorder, those topics will be mentioned in this and subsequent episodes. And I will do my best to issue trigger warnings before I start discussions about those or other potentially triggering topics. The music you heard at the beginning of the show was a song called Identity by X-Ray Specs, British punk band from the 70s. And I chose it because I love X-Ray Specs and because identity seems like a really apt topic for those of us with borderline personality and other personality disorders. So that's the music in case you were wondering. This is part two of a three-part episode on borderline personality disorder and relationships, specifically on how those of us with BPD or EUPD are often drawn to destructive relationships with people who may have narcissistic traits and what we can do about that. In this episode, I will discuss a tool that is sometimes used in a therapeutic context, the exercise of defining your core values. What does defining your values have to do with enjoying healthier relationships and how can doing so help those of us with BPD, CPTSD and other mental health challenges? Well, speaking for myself, destructive relationships are my biggest trigger. These are the relationships that feel like a role coaster ride that encompasses dizzy highs and crashing lows and leaves me feeling confused, insecure and even suicidal. As exciting as this type of relationship feels initially, in reality my experience has been that it is not substantial or safe or sustainable, mainly because myself and the other person are acting from old wounds. As I discussed in part one of this three-part episode, we can be attracted to people who have similar childhood wounds to us or who mirror us in some way, even if they have different behaviours. These love-to-hate-you type of relationships that we often want to get out of yet can't seem to and feel very conflicted about do serve a purpose. At one level, they reflect certain inner wounds back to us, wounds that we need to heal and work on. They also create excitement, intensity, and a temporary feeling of being loved and understood. These feelings can be very pleasurable for anyone. And for those of us with BPD, the 
feeling that we are loved and understood is especially welcome because so often I believe many of us think that we are misunderstood and often we are. These relationships can take us away from our everyday problems temporarily. In the long run, I believe they create more problems. Now, my experience has been that relationships of any kind take a lot of effort because I did not learn, nor was I taught, the skills required to build healthy connections. The thrill of an instant, intense connection can temporarily take me out of that space of daily drudge work, sometimes frustration, what can seem like slow progress and delayed gratification and unmet expectations. To being swept away by another person sounds a lot more fun than toiling to undo old habitual behaviour patterns, work on trauma, figure out what matters to me and practising acceptance that forming healthier relationships is going to be harder for me than it is for quite a few other people. The problem with these apparently intoxicating relationships can be exactly that. They're very addictive. They don't sustain us. Often they plunge us into despair, suicidal ideation, impulsive decisions and rage. Now it's not for me to say whether or not you need to leave a relationship, whether that's a friendship or an intimate partnership or a family relationship. It may be that you need to be in that relationship for certain reasons, whether financial or because you have children with the person, or maybe you're just not ready to leave the relationship yet. And another factor to consider is sometimes BPD can make even nurturing relationships where there is genuine care and love feel like a roller coaster. I believe that it's important to have professional help to try and sort these things out. But what I will say in a general sense is that if a relationship repeatedly leaves you feeling invalidated and sends you into a painful emotional roller coaster that causes disruption and unmanageability in your life, causes you to be obsessive about the other person to the degree that you neglect yourself or do things that you don't feel comfortable with, it may be time to take a hard look at this relationship and if necessary to do so with the support of friends, family, a therapist, a support group, all or some of these. I like the tool of defining your own values because it's something you can do yourself or in conjunction with your support system. To check in with yourself when you're getting caught up in emotional storms and aren't sure whether or not your decisions are working for you. Now, as someone with borderline personality disorder myself, an unstable sense of identity is something that finding my values has helped me to counteract. Having an unstable sense of identity is one of the symptoms of BPD. And I must say, this is a symptom that has caused me a lot of problems over the years. I now realise that a deep sense of confusion about what I felt, what mattered to me and who I was conspired to leave me struggling to attach myself to people, places and things that I hoped would give me the stability and security and sense of meaning I craved. I got intensely focused on projects, courses of study, career goals, only to abruptly drop them when they did not provide the certainty I required. And what I have learned is that the environment I grew up in did not encourage me to experience my real emotions, nor did it allow me to be who I was authentically. I learned from a young age that certain emotions were wrong 
and so I sought to suppress them as a survival tactic. I learned that making other people happy and tending to their emotions was more important than honouring my own wisdom, my own emotional truth and my own choices. Not surprisingly, I found it hard to figure out who I was and what I wanted. This is one of the symptoms of BPD. Defining my values has helped to give me a kind of roadmap of what to move towards and what to move away from in my life. Over time, some values have shifted and others have stayed put. If you Google define your values, you will find a wealth of free worksheets, articles and tips that you can use if you want to try this exercise on your own. For this podcast, I'm referring to the values and priorities list from a book called the DBT Skills Training Handouts and Worksheets book by Marsha Linehan, who is the founder of Dialectical Behavioural Therapy. This particular list is part of a group of DBT skills called emotion regulation. However, to reiterate, you don't necessarily need to use this particular book. You can find a lot of free stuff on the internet and I'm using this one because this is the book that I happen to have. So as I understand it, having a picture of what your genuine values are and doing your best to act in integrity with them is a powerful way of helping you to find emotional balance. Because conversely, if in your heart you believe something and yet your emotional impulsivity is causing you to act out of alignment with what you believe, that can cause a lot of distress. To figure out your values, you need to ensure that you're in a relatively even emotional state. I wouldn't recommend trying this exercise if you're in crisis mode or if you're feeling unsafe for any reason. Please do what you need to to look after yourself. Please be safe. Assuming you are okay right now, you could start considering which of the following areas are the most important to you. Whichever values worksheet or guideline you are using, the first step is to figure out which values resonate with you at a deep level. So reading from the values and priorities list from the Marshall Linehan workbook, here are some value categories. Attending to relationships, being part of a group, being powerful and able to influence others. And that would include things like make a great deal of money, be respected by others, be seen by others as successful, be popular and accepted. Achieve things in life, live a life of pleasure and satisfaction, keep life full of exciting events, relationships and things such as have an exciting life and be daring and seek adventures behave respectfully, be self-directed, be a spiritual person, be secure, recognize the universal good of all things, contribute to the larger community, work at self-development and have integrity. Okay, so if I use myself as an example, I would say that being self-directed is very important to me. And in this workbook, the facets of being self-directed are following my own path in life, being innovative, thinking of new ideas and being creative, making my own decisions and being free, being independent, taking care of myself and those I'm responsible for, 
having freedom of thought and action to be able to act in terms of my own priorities. Now, another value that is very important to me is contributing to the larger community. So that would be things like helping people and those in need, caring for others' well-being, being loyal to friends and devoted to close people, being committed to a group that shares my beliefs, values and ethical principles, being committed to a cause or to a group that has a larger purpose beyond my own. On the surface, those two values might seem to be in contradiction with each other. Being self-directed and being independent and having freedom of thought and action might seem to not be in line with being committed to a group that shares my beliefs, values and ethical principles. However, I think that it's possible to do both. And this for me is where dialectical thinking can be really helpful. So that would be acknowledging that two different things can both be true at the same time. So I could be committed to a group that shares my beliefs, values and ethical principles, say a mental health peer support group. And I can also be independent and take care of myself and have freedom of thought and action. I'm free to have my own opinions and my own thoughts and feelings about things. Being part of a group doesn't mean that I abdicate my own thoughts and feelings. I think it's important to take an attitude of progress, not perfection, when we're thinking about what our values are and how we might move towards them. Speaking for myself, I can have a very black and white approach to things and a very rigid perfectionist expectation of myself that isn't necessarily realistic. For example, have integrity as a value might include things like being honest, acknowledging and standing up for my personal beliefs, being courageous in facing and living life, being a person who pays debts to others and repairs damage I have caused, being accepting of myself, others and life as it is, live without resentment. Now, all of these are definitely values that I strive to move towards. The reality is, although I am much more congruent in standing up for my personal beliefs, both in my speech and in how I act, Sometimes I don't because I feel frightened or I'm scared of disapproval and that's something I'm working on. It's not realistic for me to expect to define what a value is and then automatically 100% of the time start acting in accordance with my values. So I need to develop a compassion for myself. I'm not going to adhere to my standards 100% of the time because that's just not possible, I think, for most human beings. What may be more helpful than beating myself up is to kind of start to notice where I'm not perhaps acting in a way that's congruent with my values, how that makes me feel, thinking about why I didn't do what I wanted to do, let's say, assert myself to someone and consider what might help me to do that in future. I think being accepting of myself, others and life as it, as it is, is definitely a value of mine. And I do work on that. And I have much more acceptance, I would say, than I used to about certain aspects of my life. For example, some of the limitations that I've experienced as someone living with long-term mental health issues. At the same time, there are times, days, hours where I really don't accept things. I feel angry and I feel resentful. I can't expect to suddenly be 100% accepting of myself or others and life as it is. It's a work in progress. Before I consider why 
doing this exercise might help you in your relationships with others and specifically in very intense relationships that are emotionally and impulsively driven. I want to consider how we can incorporate these values into our life in a meaningful way. So if you've defined a list of values using your own resource, you might find that you've got five or six core values. That's a lot. It may not be realistic to suddenly start changing your whole life. Rather than taking them all at the same time. One suggestion is to identify one value to work on now. So it might be that, let's say, if I use myself as an example, I take achieve things in life as a value. Uh, That could include things like achieving significant goals, being productive, working towards goals, being ambitious. Those are quite general So how could I work on that in my life right now? Well, let's say I take the example of working towards goals. Depending upon where I am in my life and what my capabilities are, I could make a list of some different goals. Those could be long-term goals or short-term goals. So building a creative practice is something that has been important to me and continues to be important to me. And another goal which is related is being able to earn money from my creative work. So in the past, what I've done is I've assumed I could just start a business and start making money without realistically thinking about what my limitations were and what the realities were of starting a business. That led to a lot of emotional dysregulation, disappointment and anger when things didn't work out the way I wanted. A more realistic way to approach this is that I do courses to refine and improve my creative skills, save the money or I make sure I have the money to do those courses. I choose courses that that are within my financial means and I research art and design markets locally that I can go to and sell my work. Breaking that down even further, I might say to myself, well, I'm going to spend half an hour researching art and design markets in my area, and I'm going to spend another half an hour researching courses in my particular creative skill and find out if there are any I want to attend. That is one way to start working towards one of my values. It involves identifying small action steps towards my goal. Ask yourself, what small steps can I take to get my goal? Another example is, let's say you're looking for work. So some small steps you could take would be visit places and look for job openings on the internet in my area. Submit applications for jobs at places I want to work. Write a resume. The one action step you might take is go to the internet and spend half an hour checking for jobs in my area. Just a very general way that identifying this value, this particular value of moving towards a goal by developing my creative skills could help me make a decision in my life is one thing I've struggled with is compulsive spending. Even though I am not spending compulsively to the degree that I used to, I do still get urges to buy things I don't really need to make myself feel better. For the most part, when I do this, it's not compromising my ability to pay my bills or to take care of my basic needs. However, let's say I have an impulse to go and buy a pair of shoes for, I don't know, £40. 
I could ask myself, well, is this going to take away money that I wanted to spend on a course or on some material that I can use towards my creativity? And if it is, let me consider my values. What is going to take me closer towards my value of achieving my goals? Is it going to be having that new pair of shoes or is it going to be saving that money and putting it towards my creative work? To take it a bit further, I could say to myself, I want these shoes because I want to feel good about myself and I want to feel good. So maybe I can buy something else for three or four pounds that can help me to feel good in the short term without compromising my ability to spend money on on my creative goals. How can defining your values help you with relationships, including destructive relationships? Well, one thing values can be really helpful in doing is they can start to get us to ask questions about whether a relationship we're in is working for us or not. And I realise that it's not always as black and white as this is a good relationship or this is a bad relationship. I'm talking about relationships that have a persistent pattern of creating destructive effects in your life. As an example, let's say that one of your values is to attend to relationships. A specific subset of that value is you want to reach out for new relationships or meet new people. If you're in a relationship where you kind of isolate yourself with the other person, let's say the other person discourages you or expresses dislike of you having other friendships, well, it could be that that relationship is not really in accordance with your value of meeting new people. You could start to ask yourself, well, is this working for me? Is it possible to negotiate in the relationship to do the things I want to do separately to meet new people? Or is this person I'm going to really resist that? And if so, is this a healthy relationship for me? Another example is going back to the value of having integrity. Well, if I'm in a relationship with someone who consistently puts me down or poo-poos or ridicules my personal beliefs or simply has beliefs that are completely different to mine and is not willing to find a compromise with me, then I can legitimately ask myself the question, is this relationship helping me move towards my value of having integrity, which in the long term is going to help me to feel better about myself? Even if this relationship causes me to feel really intensely and pleasurable feelings, if it's not helping me to move towards my values, is it really working for me? Another value that you could take into consideration is self-care. I know that's a really important one for me because it does form the bedrock of my ability to manage my mental health symptoms and to have a safer and more fulfilling life. Well, if you're in a relationship where it becomes very difficult to self-care, let's say you can't sleep because you're really anxious about things going on in the relationship or the other person has an addiction or has some other destructive behaviour and you're getting drawn into that, well, those go against the principle of self-care. So once again, you could start asking yourself, well, is this really helping me or is it harming me? Another way to approach this that I found helpful is to do a pros and cons list, which I talked about in an earlier episode on surviving a crisis. The way you could approach that is, let's say you're in a relationship and 
you know that it has aspects which are problematic or destructive. And at the same time, you have strong feelings for the person and you don't necessarily want to end the relationship. Well, you could do a pros and cons list of staying in the relationship that could include looking at how the relationship takes you towards or away from your values. So for example, a pro of the relationship might be, we have lots of fun together and I laugh a lot. A con could be, I find it really difficult to go out and meet new people because my partner or my friend gets jealous and doesn't want me to go out and meet new people. I encourage you to try this out for yourself. You might learn something about yourself. Aside from the value of this tool in helping you to gain more awareness about the relationships in your life. I think it's also a really good tool for those of us with BPD who do struggle with an unstable sense of identity. As always, I'm going to add links to worksheets and resources that might be helpful to you in the episode notes. Before I go, I would really appreciate if you have a few moments, if you could leave a review of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts because that helps to raise awareness about this information and hopefully to help other people gain access to it that might benefit from it. Also, if you have thoughts about this episode, if you have experiences you want to share, or if you have ideas about episode topics in future, I would love to hear from you. You can reach me via Twitter. My Twitter handle is at beyond the border three. That is at beyond the B-O-R-D-E three or you could search for Beyond the Borderline on Twitter. I'd love to hear from you. Before I go, I would like to wish you a peaceful 24 hours and at the very least, a few peaceful moments in your coming day. Take care and speak to you soon. Bye.